Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Well, greetings, tomatoes. I'm Cheryl Benton, and I'm host of this episode of our Happy Hour podcast. And today we're talking about money and finances, which I know has a lot of us really nervous right now in these very uncertain times. COVID is still around. There's a major war. Inflation has hit record highs and a recession could be looming around the corner. So let's all just take a very deep breath right now because my guest today who's going to help us unravel some of this is uh, and help calm us down too is Ella Newman. Ella has been a financial advisor for over 30 years. She brings her experience as a private banker and life insurance professional to her current role at Norton Advisory Group where she helps people with retirement planning, estate planning, business succession planning, life insurance, annuities, disability insurance, and long-term care. So welcome, Ella. Hi, Cheryl. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I, I'm, I'm delighted to have you here on a serious topic. And Ella is part of a group that we started at the Three Tomatoes in the very beginning of the pandemic, just to be able to get together and talk over Zoom once a week. We call it Tomato Cocktails. And uh, we've been doing it for over two years, right? So, Hard to believe. It's I know. Wonderful. And we've touched on so many topics over the last two years, and we've made so many friendships. So it's nice to have you as a guest on a more serious topic today. So Thank you. Yeah. So there are a lot of topics and questions I, I want to cover for our listeners. But let's start with the scary reality of our times right now, uncertainty, inflation, a possible recession. Are there things that we should be doing right now to secure ourselves financially? Well, Cheryl, as an economics major and an adjunct who taught the subject, let me define recession for you. It is technically two consecutive down quarters of GDP, which stands for gross national product. And we are not there yet. Okay, things look bleak, but we're not in a recession. And possibly we can avert it. But however, with inflation at 7.9%, which is certainly one of the highest levels we've seen in years uh, as a result of COVID and the war, that is a concern. So what do you do? Well, first, I would recommend anyone who has significant high cost debt as a result of their credit cards, that's the first thing you should do because with interest rates rising, you don't want to be paying back money at these exorbitant rates. So try not to let those credit cards run. Pay those balances down as quickly as you can. That is step one. 
Also, control your wants. Put off excess spending. This is not the time to be doing that. Prices are enormously high. Wait until things change in our economy. Also, work with a budget or a cash flow. Have an analysis of what your money coming in is and the expenses going out are. And there are some budget apps that you can use for that purpose if you like working with apps. If you don't like working with apps, just jot your numbers down on a piece of paper and take a look at them periodically because that is important. And you need to know what you're investing in. And during these times, you want to look at alternatives to the stock market. So what can that be? That might be an alternative such as looking at the art market. Are you investing in art? Maybe you don't feel you can invest in art readily. You don't know enough about it. Well, there are things you can do like investing in something like a, a fund called Masterworks as a way to get involved in that. So just an interesting alternative. Some people think that during these times you want to be buying bonds. But unless you're buying a bond and holding it till it matures, you're going to be at risk in terms of the amount of money you're going to be putting in that bond. Because as interest rates go up, the amount of principal or an actual cash you put in, like if you bought a $10,000 bond and interest rates go up and you wanted to get that money out before it matures, you're not going to get 10000 back you're going to lose money. So you have to be aware of that. And obviously, bonds are a way of lending corporations money. And there are different ways to invest in them. Bond funds, corporates, municipals, treasury debt, all are different ways. But I'm saying that now is not necessarily the best time to do that. Um, because the Fed is planning to increase rates. So you have to understand that. That's going to happen. And there is another alternative to deal with inflation if you wanted to go into something like that. And it's called TIPS. You may not have ever heard of that, but that's Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, which one can buy if you wanted to put some money in a form that is going to fight inflation. Um, the other thing is you might want to look at a five-year fixed annuity earning 3.6%. That is very attractive. It's a five-year instrument. And if you need the money in it before the five years are up, you can take 10000 out of that. Uh, not 10000 excuse me, 10% out of that every year without any penalty. So you have access to your money. Your principal is secure. And you're earning some income tax-free. That's very attractive. Now, the amount that it's paying might go up, so you don't have to rush to do that right. tomorrow, but it is something to consider uh, that makes sense in this environment. Um, if you want to buy equities, it might be a good time. I believe in buying on dips. So if you want to put some money into ETFs or stocks, uh, this could be a good time to look at some that are investing in companies that have businesses where they can control the prices or cost of their products since we're in an inflationary environment. So like a consumer product type company, you know, we all still buy our daily goods and we still buy our makeup and all those things that we buy every day. So those companies don't get hit too hard by inflation, even if they increase prices. So 
That's what I would say. And we will get through this and we will get out <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> well, that's very, that's very comforting, actually. So thank you. And those are all, that's great advice. Really, really good advice. And a lot of things that, uh, that I hadn't heard of before or thought of. And one other thing I want to ask you about is your take on cryptocurrency and NFTs, which honestly, just every time I try to read anything, it makes my head spin. But um, we're all hearing a lot about this right now. So what, what do you think in terms of investing in those kinds of forms of whatever I'm the shaking, heck they are? I'm shaking my head, <laughs> right? Don't, yes. don't do that unless you know a great deal about that and have a lot of money that you don't care about, that you don't care if you lose, I would never recommend that to just the average investor. You have to be very knowledgeable to know how to deal in that environment effectively and correctly. And there's a lot of unknowns. It's a very new marketplace. And unless you have studied it and understand it and are working with very reliable people you are extremely vulnerable and i would just say stand clear it's uh, it's like the days of madoff when you know right. people said oh he's a great investor yeah just do it you'll invest with him you can't lose well you know how that turned out so you might be better off just hopping a plane to las vegas and playing roulette right <laughs> <laughs> well there's just no guarantees and and i so I know people who have made a fortune in it, right? But that, right. you know, that's not your average person. There are people who can afford to do that, but uh, well, most let's move over. Yeah, let's move over clear. to a, to a topic that uh, most of us can relate to, and I, I I want to talk about real estate right now because a lot of us, certainly in the last two or three years, have seen the values of our home go way up. And I, I know we've all been saying, oh, this is crazy, you know, crazy, crazy prices. And, you know, maybe I should sell my home. But then everyone says, well, then what would we buy? Because whatever we're buying is going to be crazy. But um, with possibly a recession looming, or if you're just at a point in your life right now where, where you want to, you know, get some equity out, do you think that selling right now would be a good a good time to do that if you if you want to get money out and um, you know and who knows you rent and maybe a year from now you could buy something else that would be reasonable you know more reasonably priced? What's your take on that? Well, your decision will depend on a number of factors. You could sell now and rent for a period of time, as you suggested, to see if prices come down and then buy something that is smaller or requires less work, or you may have lower real estate taxes. So those are all viable reasons to consider making that kind of change. And since the, the type of place you will be looking for might have different requirements for you than you had in the past. You have, you have different needs now, so it may be different. So if you sell and you have a significant capital gain as a result of selling your house and it has increased so dramatically, you can take advantage of the uh, $500,000 exclusion for married couples for capital gains. So that that's something to think about if that's something that's going to impact you. And the other thing is, if this is your key source of wealth in your 
investments, real estate is playing a significant role, it is not liquid. So it may be a concern because if you need it for some purpose, as you were getting closer to retirement or if you had an illness or something, it's not like you can just always sell it just when you want to. So you need to realize that you don't necessarily have liquidity. So if you think that's a concern, then you might want to rethink the fact of owning. And of course, owning means that you're going to have all those maintenance costs and the time and effort to maintain a house that you've been in in a long time. Um, you may be experiencing growing property taxes also in different areas these days. Um, so you've built a lot of equity there and you may have some tax deductions and you may enjoy being in a position where you have a certain stability staying in your home, but you have to weigh that against the alternatives. And if you're renting there are concerns there too, because the person you're renting from may not keep your rent at the same level. You, they have the ability to increase your rent. So even though what seemed to be comfortable for you initially may ultimately go up and be less comfortable over time if that's the way you've chosen to go. Some of the advantages are that some rents do include maintenance and utilities, so it may not be as bad as you thought. But you know, what you do is a very individual decision and it has to work for you in the long run. So I would recommend that you talk to your accountant and your advisor and get some help from them. Help them go over the help. They will help you go over the numbers and come up with an answer that makes sense. And each case is different. Uh, yes. So you can't just jump on what the the environment is saying. What makes sense to you individually? Right. Lots to, lots to think about there for people who are starting to think that way right now. So I want to move over for a little bit. So for some of our younger listeners who may not, you know, retirement planning seems like eons away. And for many of us who are now that age, it certainly did when we were in our 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, and we probably could have made smarter decisions at that point. So what are what should you think about sort of in each stage, you know, say in your 20s versus in your 40s and your 40s versus when you get into your 60s in terms of planning, planning to not outlive your money, basically. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. Nobody wants to do that, right? Spend that last dollar on your last day, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it is important to start planning for retirement as early as possible. When you get your first job, if you're working for a corporation or an organization that has a retirement plan or a 401k, they usually don't let you get in until you're there a certain period of time. But the minute right. they start giving you that opportunity to put some of your earnings into that retirement program, definitely take advantage of it. You Once you start doing that, they take that money out each time you get paid. You're going to get used to living on the income without that piece in it. And that is going to serve you well because the money that goes into that 401k, many organizations do a matching. And even if they don't match, it's still a good thing to do because your money will go, will be able to grow tax-free without any capital gains it's not taxed money 
and it is just a win-win from every angle. So I recommend putting in the maximum you can as long as you can, as often as you can. If you're not working, so now if you're in your 40s and 50s, maybe you're starting your own business or you're uh, not working for a corporation, then you might want to set up an IRA or a SEP because that's important. So an IRA is an individual retirement plan, a SEP is a self-employed pension plan, and you still should put in the maximum you can in these programs. And of course, when you're investing, no matter which of these programs you're going into, especially when you're first starting out, I forgot to mention, you should be putting in the money to work in the most aggressive investments that they offer you, because then you will get your maximum growth. You're not going to use that money for another 20, 30 years or more. Right. So, it's going to grow. So go, go whole hog, go for the max because all securities records show that the trend is always up. So do the max. Um, and then again, with your SEP or IRA, do invest, put in the max you can because you're going to get a tax deduction for that. And that is very helpful when, as you do your taxes each year. And your money, again, will grow. And then by the time you reach retirement, you'll be in a better position. As you get closer to retirement, you might want to be a little bit more conservative with the investments within those retirement programs. But if you don't um, decide to do that, the more aggressive you can be, the better off you'll be, ultimately. And you'll have that wonderful nest egg for when you do finally retire. Also, when you're younger, I do want to mention there are opportunities to tap into your 401k uh, for, or you can borrow against it in occasionally. But I would always suggest that you should always look not to use that money as a source of funds because there are penalties involved if you take this money out at any point before retirement. And that is not something you want to incur because they are significant and it, it, it's not worth it. So look right. to your other sources of funds first and that retirement money last. But in an emergency, you can take it out yeah. and you can put it back. I know that the 401k thing is, you know, it becomes an issue for a lot of people when their kids, especially now when their kids start getting to college and the soaring cost of college has just been enormous. And even if people were saving when the kids were younger, you know, very often they just don't have the money to cover that. And I know people are using, you know, their 401ks to, to help to fund that. So. Um, I don't know if there's better way, better ways to do that other than there, saddling these kids with all these loans, but yes. uh, it's a tough situation. Yeah, there, but there are ways of exploring that. And again, a, a, a conversation with the right advisor can sort of lead people to the right decision on which money to tap into for those purposes. But those are challenging decisions yeah. to be made. Well, that's that. That's great advice, and everyone who's young out there, <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're paying attention because now is the time to be to be thinking about this and taking those first steps. So, I also want to talk about um, there's so many women, and we, we, you know, we've all seen this, who find themselves in their 50s or 60s in a precarious financial situation. It they may have gone through a divorce, they may have 
suddenly lost a spouse. They may have lost a career that they've had for years. I mean, gosh knows I've seen that happen to so many women uh, in in their 50s. So, you know, and then they're in a, they're really starting all over. So my question is, is it possible to rebuild a secure financial future at that stage of your life, 50s and 60s? Well, my recommendation is the first thing to do if you find yourself in that situation is to think about yourself and reinvest in yourself. What I mean by that is you maybe you need to get back into the employed world. You may need to find a job. You may need to find a way to make some money. So think about taking a course or doing some kind of training so that you can find an opportunity that will enable you to generate some income for on your own because we're assuming that you've been put into a position where you haven't built, built up a significant nest egg and you need to start over. So you need to think about, well, what are your capabilities? What are your strengths? What can you empower yourself to do to move forward under these circumstances and start savings again and start investing again and create a program for you to do that. And as you earn any of the money that you can start earning now, be sure to put it away conservatively. And that might mean just putting it in a money market fund. Uh, right now, American Express has a money market fund that is earning 0.6, which is less than 1%, but it's better than zero. Just to know right. that it's available to you, that it's earning something, that you have it as a reserve, and that it's better than just keeping it in your checking account. And it's an option that you can look at. And then when once you feel secure and you start having enough money coming in, then you need to start investing and start rebuilding a portfolio and, and start planning again for the future and setting up those retirement programs. But of course, you're going to have to live more conservatively and more carefully. And you have to be very careful not to develop any uh, significant debt, meaning don't let those credit cards run because that's going to do you in. So again, start a budget, talk to an advisor, be conservative, look to what you're capable of doing and understand you're empowered and people will come to support you and move you forward as you go through this transition in your life. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great advice because we're always about empowering women. And I know that women Often, you know, especially if they've gone through something like that and they're trying to figure out what what can they do, they tend to devalue what they can do. So one of the right. things is to really make a skill set and sit down and do that because because you will find out that there are so many things that you've done up until this point in life that will really help to guide you into finding, you know, things that are that, that match other people's needs for those skill sets so don't undervalue yourselves ladies <laughs> exactly that's very important realize that you have great strength and can can move forward at any stage in your life so another thing is uh, you know we all hear a lot about estate planning and i think for a lot of people estate planning they equate that with you have to have a lot of wealth to do that 
So is it only for the wealthy or if you have a modest nest egg to leave behind, is this something you should also be thinking about? It is not about the size of your estate. Everybody should be doing and thinking about estate planning uh, because it's about your family. It's what you want to leave and do for your family when you're gone. Um, and there are certain aspects of the estate planning process that are essential. You should, you have to have a will, no matter how old you are, or how much you have in the way of assets. When you're a, a new married couple starting out, if you don't have a will, then you don't know, and you have a child, you don't know who's going to take care of your child, who's going to be the guardian for your child. And who's going to watch out for the assets that you do have that you want to support that child with. So you need it no matter how old you are. You always have to have a will and you have to have that in place. You also, as you get older, you and you need this at all times. It, it's not just when you're older. You should have a power of attorney and a healthcare proxy. Because if you should become disabled for any reason, that power of attorney lets someone act in your behalf. And a healthcare proxy tells your family what you'd like done for you. So those are three essentials that are part of the estate planning process that you should do no matter what level of wealth you're at. And you should take action to make that clear. And, and you want to make sure that your wishes are expressed in that will and that is very understood if you want to avoid family quarrels and problems later if you don't want your children to have difficulties in working with their siblings that document that you put in place early on is going to make a world of difference in keeping things right within the family and so important so it is important that you take action and as you have more assets the strategies become more complex, but more important because then there could be tax consequences and you want to you have a vehicle to move assets forward to your beneficiaries and you may need trusts or insurance strategies to avoid tax consequences and to create the right outcome for the beneficiaries. And that is an area that the firm I'm with has uh, extensive experience in and can really be helpful with as well. So at any stage and at any asset level or wealth level, these things are important. Well, that's really great information because I, I think, uh, as I said, I think a lot of people have mis misperceptions or misconceptions about that. And the, the will thing is so important. We've all seen people, <laughs> nightmare scenarios that have been created exactly. around wills that weren't created or weren't updated. And uh, yeah, and you can definitely avoid that. So, And they should be changed every few years if you have changes in your circumstance. Exactly. That's very important because I think a lot of people, you know, maybe made, made a will 30 years ago and haven't looked at it since then. And uh, it's important to keep that updated. Exactly. So another concern we have, of course, as we as we get older, that we also don't think about when we're young is long term care. So tell us about that. What do we need to know? Is that something we should do? And if you're older, is it ever too late to actually get that? I guess is my question. It is very important. It the 
the best thing is to get it early. If you get it in your 40s or 50s, that would be a good time to start. And the reason it is so important because the costs of long-term care, people don't realize how dramatic that can be. Price Waterhouse recently said it, it's in certain areas, it's about $172,000 a year. That is a wow. big number. You know, of course, it depends on where you live. But people should be getting coverage in their 40s and 50s if they can, because the premiums are going to be significantly lower and it's going to have less of an impact. And if you're a business owner, you can actually write off that cost of long-term care as an, a business expense. So that's something people should think about. Um, it, it's important, one of the, many times the traditional long-term care coverage was concerning to people because the premiums kept going up and the benefits kept going down. And the number of insurance carriers that were providing it were getting smaller and smaller. But now there is a hybrid product, an insurance product or an, insur an insurance, a life insurance annuity product that has a long-term care rider. And the good thing about that is that you will have a set premium. You'll know how much it is. Plus, if you don't wind up needing the long-term care, you don't lose the premiums that you put into this product. And if you uh, want, you may be able to use that as a tax-free source of income, or it will increase the death benefit that your beneficiaries get in the long run. So it's a win-win, this new hybrid type product is something that we find is we're recommending so that people can um, really come up with something that makes sense for them. But I recommend that everybody should get a copy of the Shopper's Guide to Long-Term Care, which you can find on the Association for Long-Term Care's website, because you need to understand and you need to work with the right advisor to get the product that's right for you. Well, that's, that's great advice too. And that actually is a great lead into my last question. I can't believe how this time is blown. We, uh, we can have so many more questions. We'll have to ha have you back again for more answers to our money questions. But so how do people go about finding a financial planner that's going to work in their best interest? Aside from calling you, because you could all call Ella, but not everyone lives in the New York City area. Uh, so what are the things you need to look for? Right. Well, I would suggest that the best way to find the right person for you is to interview two or three people and determine who seems like the one that you are most comfortable with. The advisor should understand what your goals and values are and what is your risk tolerance. Uh, you want to talk to people who have had good experiences with their advisors as well and might be able to recommend someone they know that they've been happy with as well. And these advisors should be acting in a fiduciary capacity for you which means that they are not concerned about selling you products that will create a source of income for them, but they're interested in your what's best for you and their recommendations to you will be on that basis and they have your best interest in, at heart. And you should have someone who has a good record and good credentials that you can check 
And this information these days is online and you can find it in a variety of ways. Also, you want to work with someone who can work well with the other professionals that you currently have relationships with. So they should be able to work effectively with your accountant, your life insurance advisor, and your attorney. And you could ask those advisors you're currently working with to see who would they recommend as a financial advisor for you. So that's what I would suggest. Well, that's great, great advice. Everything has been so great. You just did such a wonderful job, I think, making us all feel a little calmer today. <laughs> and, um, and and we've all, I've learned a lot, and I, I'm sure that everyone else listening in uh, has picked up some things that they didn't know about either. So this has been a great conversation and just great advice. And of course, if anyone is looking for a great financial planner, you can reach out to Ellen Newman. She can be reached at Ella at NortonAdvisoryGroup.com. And we'll have that in the show notes too. So thank you so much for being my guest today. Cheryl, thank you so much for having me. This was a great pleasure. I always enjoy doing things with you. Okay, great. We'll talk again soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye.